much for listening to the 12-1 podcast. My name is Amy Kirkpatrick, and this is a podcast all about learning to be one of the disciples and making an effort to learn from Jesus Christ every day. with today. I think very, very simply, it's going to come down to the idea that I need to be present, to stop looking into the future, wish the future would come faster, but to be right smack in the middle of present tense, to be a part of every single moment and to look at every detail of every moment. I don't know if you guys have ever been on a child's roller coaster that just goes way too slow, that it's almost painful how slow it's going. You just almost want to push it forward to do something a little more exciting. Well, I've kind of been in that place for a while now now. And I finally got some time to sit with the Lord and kind of just grapple with how my heart was feeling, just wanting to almost push the Lord along. And he just kind of just gave me this moment to just sit and take a deep breath and just look at where I was. And in that moment, I was just given this really, really serene, beautiful um, spot in nature. And my son was on a playground playing with a million kids, which he hasn't gotten to do in a long time. And I was just able to sit with him and just talk with him. And I realized that I was so desperate to find something in my future to do that I forgot just to absorb the, what the spot I was in right in that moment. And that spot was just so good and so beautiful. And that moment just kind of turned into a million moments that I've realized I've been missing. Uh, time spent with my family of being really, really present because my mind was so busy thinking about other things or planning the next thing or thinking about how I was going to create a, a meal for my family on the run or whatever, that I wasn't just being there, just being with them and being goofy and having a good time and laughing. And so that that's probably my thing right now is just to be really, really present. Today, we're going to continue our journey of studying the Bible. And we've been in Genesis 12, and now we're going to move on to Genesis 13. And I want to, again, just reiterate the fact that I don't want to go through this Bible study in a way where we're looking at every intricate detail, but more I want to look at very, very specifically how the Lord interacts with his people and and how we can start to define God's character. Because the God that was alive and active in the Old Testament is the same God that we see in the New Testament and we see today, and he doesn't change. He has a million different ways that he can act and and move in our lives, but his character, who he is, and how we can rely on him does not change. And so that's one thing I want to look at is I think often we see the Old Testament God as a different God than we see in the New Testament and even in life today. And I think sometimes we set up a different expectation of how he should interact in our life. So I think it's good to look at the God of the Old Testament and know that the God that we see there is the same God that we're going to encounter in our life today. And we can expect him to have the same standards and the same way of interacting with us as we see in Moses and Abram and Joseph and Daniel's life, we see the same God. So I think it's really good to study his character and how he interacts with his people. So I'm going to be reading from Genesis 13 in verse 1. Then Abram went up from Egypt, he and his wife and all they had, and Lot with him to the south. Abram was very rich in livestock and silver and in gold, and he went on his journey from the south as far as Bethel to the place where his tent had been at the beginning, between Bethel and Ai, to the place of the altar which he had made there at first. And there Abram called on the name of the Lord. 
So again, I don't necessarily want to address whether it was wrong for Abram to go to Egypt. I don't feel like I have enough information, nor am I well-versed enough to know whether, uh, with an absolute certainty, whether that was right or wrong. But what we can know and what we do see is that Abram finds himself in the exact same place as where he started. When you read the NIV version, it says that he traveled from place to place as if he was kind of searching for a place that seemed right to him. So it seems odd that he's back in the exact same place um, from the very beginning. And I know some of us have felt that before where we were kind of struggling with where we were and we were just hoping for something different. We were hoping for a different outcome than what and where we were at that moment. And we find ourselves sitting in the same exact spot. We're stuck. We feel like there has to be a better solution. There has to be a better place. But here, instead, he's in the exact same place. Nothing's changed. His life is exactly where it was. Could God be challenging Abram's desires here? It's his desires versus God's will. We can choose Egypt, but Bethel will still be there waiting. Sometimes we can fight so hard to change our circumstance, not realizing that the whole time God wants us to be exactly where we are, where it's hard and maybe not super comfy and we can't settle and we feel like we don't have control and we're not happy. Sometimes that is exactly where God wants us. And as we go out and try to resolve and try to fix and change everything, we end up making a mess of what what God is trying to do instead of just staying put and and honoring God and waiting on him for instructions to lead us in what we do next. So we continue on in verse 5. Lot also went with Abram, had lots of herds and tents. Now the land was not able to support them, that they might dwell together, for their possessions were so great that they could not dwell together. And there was strife between the herdsmen of Abram's livestock and the herdsmen of Lot's livestock. The Canaanites and the Perizzites then dwelt in the land. So Abram said to Lot, Please let there be no strife between you and me, and between my herdsmen and your herdsmen, for we are brethren. Is not the whole land before you? Please separate from me. If you take the left, then I will go to the right, or if you go to the right, then I will go to the left. This may seem really small, but to me, I feel like it's a really big deal that Abram trusts so much in God's sovereignty and knows so well that this is God's land, that he allows Lot to choose which piece of land Lot is going to take, and he picks the land that Abram's going to take. Can you imagine for just a second if you just were in a circumstance where you had to talk with a family member and that family member got to pick where you lived. So just imagine a region or a part of the United States or a part of the state you live in, and they just get to pick the piece of property. And um, that is yours. That's where you're going to live. And you are just going to trust <laughs> that God is going to be in that selection process and that he's going to pick the right property for you. That's a lot of trust. I think that little tidbit says a lot about Abram's uh, relationship with God and and how they interact with each other and the trust that Abram has in the Lord. And I, I just don't want to pass by that. I think it's just really cool just to think that he's not sweating the details. He's not worried about the exact piece of property and whether there's enough water or anything like that. He is He's living his life in a way where the small little petty details doesn't don't matter because he's in the hands of the Lord Almighty and he trusts that God's going to have him and provide everything he needs no matter what. In verse 10, it goes on to say, And Lot lifted his eyes and saw all the plain of Jordan, that it was well watered everywhere, before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah, like the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt as you go toward Zor. Then Lot chose for himself all the plain of Jordan, and Lot journeyed east, and they separated from each other. 
Abram dwelt in the land of Canaan, and Lot dwelled in the cities of the plain, and pitched his tent even as far as Sodom. But the men of Sodom were exceedingly wicked and sinful against the Lord. I'm not exactly sure where I got this from, but I this this brilliance that came from this passage definitely came from um, some scholars that are well beyond me. But uh, they had taken this reference here of uh, Lot looking at the property, looking at the land, and seeing that it was good, and comparing it to ha- this theme that was happening uh, starting all the way back in Genesis three six, and seeing how this same idea was brought all throughout Scripture, and it's this idea that Eve saw that the fruit was good and pleasing to the eye, and also desirable for gaining wisdom, and she took and she ate of it. Just because something is pleasing to the eye and appears to have a benefit doesn't mean we should take of it. And this is a, just another mention of that same idea that, I, like I said, runs through all throughout the Bible, where somebody sees something, it looks good, it looks pleasing to the eye, it looks like it has a benefit, but then in the end, it turns out to be something that is actually really vile or really harmful to the person. And so this is a, a perfect example of Lot just seeing this this land and saying, it looks good, it looks lush, it looks like it has everything we need. But we know the rest of the story, we know that that is the land of Sodom and Gomorrah that God will someday destroy because of the evil and vileness in that area. And so, you know, when we see that theme going all throughout scripture, and I'm not going to break that down right now and and locate all those passages in the Bible, but when we see a theme like that, we know that we can also look at situations in our own life and we can, when we start to see something go, wow, that, that looks really good. And it looks looks like it's beneficial and it it looks pleasing to the eye. And when we start to run through those checklists in our mind of why something looks good, it could be um, a job offer, it could be um, a, a new switch to a new house, it could be a lot of things. We need to stop and check ourselves and, and make sure that we are humbly and prayerfully looking at whatever the decision that is and making sure that we are not just with our eyes looking at a situation because we see that it being a over and over again in scripture. And so I just wanted to pause on that for a second and just um, just allow that to be something that we kind of process through and realize it could be a pattern that we have in our own life today. In verse 14, it continues on and it says, The Lord said to Abram, After Lot had separated from him, lift your eyes now and look from the place where you are, northward, southward, eastward, and westward, for all the land which you see I give to you and your descendants forever. And I will make your descendants as the dust of the earth, so that if a man could number the dust of the earth, then your descendants also could be numbered. Arise and walk in the land through its length and its width, for I give it to you. Then Abram moved his tent and went and dwelt by the terebinth tree of Mamre, which are in Hebron, and built an altar there to the Lord. So I've always kind of wondered this, but in Genesis 12, we see that God calls Abram to leave his family and head out into the country. And somehow Lot got brought into the mix as part of his adventure. And I don't I don't know exactly how I feel about this, but a lot of scholars believe that Lot shouldn't have gone with him, that he was part of the family that was supposed to be left behind. And then they think that in this moment that Lot separates out, now God speaks to Abram um, and continues to encourage and speak into the promise. Because now it's Abram and Sarai just exactly as God had intended it from the beginning. 
The other part I love about this is that, again, we see that God is encouraging and speaking into the promise and continuing to remind Abram of what the mission and what the goal is and continues to light that fire inside of Abram. This is not an easy thing to continue to hear such impossible words spoken and to sit there and hold tight to that and hope that this will happen someday. And it just seems so ludicrous when you sit in the the length of years <laughs> trying to continue to hang on to that promise but God is so good to continue to speak into him and continue to revitalize that that vision and that daydream and then he tells Abram to go walk and visualize what it's going to be like for his descendants as they take over this land you know, we are built with a really powerful imagination, and sometimes we need to exercise those imaginations as a method in helping us to push through and and continue to let that fire burn inside of us when we're starting to get discouraged. And so the fact that God just says, go, just see it, go walk through it, just experience it, allow your mind just to absorb what this is going to someday be like. And to know that Abram is at the very start of that, that he is the very first step of this beautiful, beautiful promise being laid out. What an honor. What an incredible honor just to know that you are the start of the creation of God's people that are going to someday rule over the earth and be God's God's favored people. That's powerful. That's really powerful to think about. Thank you so much for joining me as we ventured through Genesis 13 and just looking at the relationship that God has with Abram. If you have any questions or comments or anything that you'd like to share with me, feel free to email me at 121podcast at gmail.com. There's no numbers in it. It's just all spelled out, 121podcast at gmail.com. And I'd love to hear from you.